Welcome to Needed Conversations. This is Ryan and Victoria Cole. So glad you've joined us today. Yes, welcome to this episode. Uh, today we're talking about, are you qualified to be a husband? Kind of piggyback um, off of the episode from last week where we talked about the wife. But before we jumped in, I wanted to tell you guys we're having a summer love webinar this July 22nd and 23rd. It's going to be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So be sure to join us. We are going to have a landing page. So you will have uh, a place where you can sign up because space will be limited. But we're so excited to talk about some more awesome things uh, for all of you who are single, dating, um, as well as engaged. And maybe we're, the next round we'll get the married folks. Yeah, we've got some stuff in the works for people who are married. But I want to give all of those who are single or close to marriage all of the tools that we can give you to prepare for lasting love. This is an eternal thing that you're pursuing. And so we want to give you an eternal strategy that comes from God. And so we're going to be doing two days of teaching. You don't want to miss it. Invite a friend. All of the information is going to be up on my website, RyanColeEmpowerment.com. And it's free. So you have to join. Why not? Come on. What if you found your love over the summer? Hey, maybe. <laughs> hey, maybe on that Zoom on that Zoom call or whatever. Or whatever we do it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. We'll hook you up. Hey, I, I know some single people. Now. I don't know why is it that every time a married couple, when, once people get married, it's just they find they have a need to try to match people. <laughs> yeah, I don't consider myself a matchmaker. But we still do it. I We're can, like, we have a really nice person for you. I can spot whether or not it's going to work for sure. Uh, just because of, uh, you know, I consider us experts in this kind of field. But we're, we're talking about <laughs> the qualities of a husband and a wife. And if you missed last week's episode, you've really got to go back. It was one of our longer ones, but it was so full of revelation. And, you know, you absolutely have to get that and it, because it's teaching, foundational teaching. And what we're really talking about are these gender roles that we have in our society. And what separates us in, in our gender is in our unique ability to either be a husband or or a wife. And then you ask yourself, well, what does that look like, right? Apart from the traditional roles that are given to us by society through culture, right? Where, what are the two sources that we can look to, to say, this is the function of a husband and this is a function of the wife. Those two sources are your biology, which is spoken about in the Bible, the book of Genesis chapter one, also, um, biblically, throughout the scriptures, there is this, uh, you know, mass amount of information about marriage. You know, I said, even when I started studying on marriage and stuff, I, I saw all of these scriptures that we all go to in the New Testament that are kind of very limited based on context and everything and can be pulled out of out of the, the context that they were originally written in and twisted and all of that. And I said, God, there's got to be something more. Where in the Bible are you teaching us about marriage? And he looked at, he, he, he probably did look at me, but. Behold. Yeah, he said, son, <laughs> the entire Bible is a manual for marriage. And then looking at that context, I was like, what? Of course, it's a love letter written to his bride, the church. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Jesus showed us that he was the bridegroom mm -hmm. and we're the bride. And then you look at the tabernacle covenant 
All of the, God has a covenant with his people. There's a covenant between a husband and wife. So you look at the scripture from that context. That means from Genesis to Revelation, there's your manual for marriage. Mm. But in particular, we're talking about what differentiates the men and the women. And, you know, we really had a good conversation last week. You want to just recap some of the women qualities real quick? So we gave uh, three principles to women. So uh, we talked about refining and strengthening uh, your God-given relational skills because we've talked about women being more relational and then also learn how to pray effectively as well as choosing uh, your words carefully. Those are the three things that we shared as well as the assignment that you really have as a wife whenever you do become a wife. And, you know, Proverbs 31, it seems intimidating, but it's really speaking to what characteristics you already have have in you as a husband or a wife. And I say that because we often point that Proverbs 31 at a woman, right? Mm -hmm. But for every Proverbs 31 woman, there's a Proverbs 31 man. What does the Proverbs 31 man look like, right? It's got to be this equal opposite of this woman who's in Proverbs 31, you know, Mm -hmm. someone who is equally engaged in family, someone who has got a vision and is equally um, engaged in biz- business and work work affairs, someone who is very savvy. And so, uh, you know, we look at history and we see these uh, societally imposed roles on men in particular that really push us into being career driven in a way that women have not socially been pushed. And oftentimes that comes at the expense of our family relationships. And that's really hard for men to come to terms with that you might have to make a choice. And, you know, um, these are all choices that we make and how much we are going to put ourselves in our work and abandon our social and family responsibilities. But it's not one that's just upon men. It's upon women now, even more than ever. It's upon women, too. But uh, we see that a lot of times culturally, these roles are given to us based on needs for survival. But with the turning of the pages of history, uh, the truth about men and women stays constant, right? Different jobs, different scenarios, different cultures and ways of life, all of that can shift, right? But the constant of what it means to be a man a husband, a wife, a woman stays constant in the scripture is that constant that really reminds us of what it means to have maleness or femaleness. And it's not connected to anything other than your function to be a husband or a wife. And I'm saying that over and over again, because that kind of demolishes this gender narrative out here. Um, the, uh, the thing that we should be focusing on is what does it take to be a husband? That's what we're talking about today. And how do I get there? And so with that being said, you know, and and I'm starting this off with a little bit of teaching. uh, What was Adam's first assignment, right? His first assignment was to be a gardener. Mm -hmm. The tent of the garden. This was even before the wife was pulled out of him, Mm -hmm. right? And this is a, a, a goal that they share together. But what does a garden do? You know, a gardener do. Uh, He uh, attends for the plants, he cultivates, he understands seed time and harvest. He understands uh, the process of photosynthesis and the need for sunlight and watering. He's he's a cultivator. And in as much as a woman is a nurturer, the equal and opposite of a nurturer is a cultivator. 
So that kind of draws lines of distinction. They're almost similar, right? Mm -hmm. A nurturer, Mm -hmm. but a man, you call it a cultivator. And so Adam was a gardener, and that's really what he became for Eve, um, who only got her name as they were exiting the garden, but for his wife. He was there to cultivate her, uh, help her to, um, you know, discover her purpose as well and walk alongside of him in fulfilling God's dominion mandate. I'm going to jump in here because I I feel like God really speaks to me when I actually work and do things. So uh, I personally have a garden myself. And so, um, you know, I'm learning ins and outs and there's always so much to learn. Like even when you feel like you've learned some things, you figure out something else and then it's more effective. So I feel like that, you know, if a man is a a gardener, he, he... provides the seed then a female is the soil who is able to to multiply because when you put in the seed into Mm, the ground love that you don't know what's going to come out of it you know what i mean but if the soil is right it's going to produce the harvest and it's going to bring in fruit and it's going to multiply whatever the seed was so maybe the one seed was planted but you'll get a bush of tomatoes and from that one bush you'll get multiple tomatoes so i feel like they work hand in hand so without the soil you can't have the harvest so but without the the seed you can't have the harvest that's right so so you you have this uh the cultivate that means almost where it originates Mm. and the man provides that stimulus that um ignite that oh i'm just getting like revelations because like you know, whenever the seed is planted in the soil, you don't know when it's going to sprout. When it's going, so it's like that prophetic that you don't you don't see it, but the woman kind of, you know, is the one who makes everything. Um, how would you come say to that? life? Come yeah. to life. You know what I mean? Like she's it's a nurturer. The, it's the unseen. Like the prophetic is the unseen, and so in the soil, you don't know when it's going to come out or what it's going to produce, but you trust it. You trust it and it's going to produce. That's right. And so you you have the man that, who is the spark and the woman who is the nurturer, who who uh, provides that, that uh, suitable environment for a purpose to thrive. And so walking hand in hand, they fulfill that dominion mandate, you know? Yes, I, I love, you know, I feel like in... I don't I can't speak for all the cultures, but when the way I grew up in a Slavic culture and I would say it's more of an older generation, I feel like that they're really um, not walking in the full extent of what marriage should look like, because in our culture, like with a lot of older people, uh, the men are very dominant. And so I feel like that they're not allowing the female to fully express what God has put on her to do. And so um, I was listening to uh, John and Lisa Bouvier. We really look up to them. But she had a book that came out. It's called Strong. I haven't read it, but she was doing a whole podcast on being uh, on being strong. And she said, true strength. Uh, you can show true strength not in when you uh, hold a person down. It's when you hold a person up. So a lot of times we as husbands, uh, you know, display this dominance by you know, putting my foot down or putting my fist down, you know, but if that's what most husbands feel like, 
that's what it, you have to, to do to, to keep control dominance yeah yes. or keep some kind of control and i think that then these women that are seeing this are like i don't want this in a marriage like i'm mm. f- i'm afraid that's just not what i want i don't want to be suppressed and so this is when you don't see the true expression of what god created marriage to be because when you both work together you realize that the hus- husband's role is to really cultivate and see the potential in the wife and so he's going to be holding her up, which is which requires a lot more strength to hold somebody up than somebody down. Right. What's so beautiful about the scripture is that it, it's it reflects in in itself the truth over and over again, kind of folded on top of one another. And you look at the Hebrew word for for husband and wife. Right. They're very similar. Um, the H- Hebrew word for husband is. Ish and the Hebrew word for wife is Isha, and they're separated by two different letters. Um, the word husband has the letter Yod, and the woman has the letter Hey, and that's the differences between the word. But by putting those two different word uh, letters together, you spell the name of God Yod Hey. And it's so beautiful to know that in coming together in husband and wife, you create the image of God. Mm. And, you know, that that is something that I don't hear people talk about. You know, they say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the image of God. And that's true. But that's only half the story, right? Because Adam wasn't made in the image of God, the husband by himself. It was when they were a them mm. and the them is the reflection of the image of God. That's good. So it's like me apart from my wife is a blemished image of God. Her apart from me is a blemished image of God. And, but when we come together, you mm. know, we complete the image of God, the nature, the likeness, the characteristics, because God is neither male nor female, right? He's known as a comforter and a counselor, a lot of these more female-esque qualities, but he's also a defender and he's he's got these uh, more masculine qualities as we would suppose. Um, but, but creating the image of God as a husband and a, and a wife breaks down all of these socially Im- imposed like ideologies that uh, kind of justify homosexuality, polygamy, all of these things which kind of mar the image of God, right? Because it's, you're only telling half the story. The story of God is the story of marriage, marriage between one man and one woman. It's powerful. Very. Just those names, right? You know, Yod, hey, that's the difference between the two names. But it shows how vital each gender is, not just in a marriage. That's just the the uh, beginning point. But throughout every aspect of society, we need men in leadership. We need women in leadership. The elevation of women into places of, of power and leadership, it should not be the dismantling of men in leadership, right? It should be a, a equal partnership where we understand our inherent differences. And those differences don't put us in competition with one another mm-hmm. but together right we're we, submission we submission. submission it's under mission we're both under mission that's to what submission fulfill is. the vision that god has put on our life so when you submit to your husband ladies that means he's got to first have a vision and a mission 
And I think both husband and wife have to understand that because I think sometimes men are like, you hear that? You need to submit. And whenever they say that, that sounds so ignorant, though. And here's the question I would say to most men. If you want your wife or a woman to submit to you, what are they submitting to? Mm. That means you have to have a vision a mission, you have to have direction, Mm. you have to have work ethic. And if you don't have those things, she doesn't even have the ability to submit because there's nothing to submit to. It's not a physical type of dominance, right? When it says wives submit to your husband, it, 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 you know, there are biological differences in the strength of, of men and women for sure. But I think that that's not the start. That's a reflection of the origin, which is a spiritual sort of submission, a spiritual authority. And I love what you said. It's being both of you being under the mission that you are covered by the mission. And so when we talk about the husband, um, looking at those definitions and knowing that he's a cultivator, it takes me right to the John 15 that says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And it says, my father is the husband man. He's a gardener. The, the Another word for gardener is husband. If that can speak to kind of what your role is as a a man of God in your household as you're a cultivator. So um, we have four points, right? If you want to be a great husband, this is what you have to do. Number one, Victoria, talk to us. So number one, you must have a good work ethic. Mm. Number two, have a vision for the future. Number three, must be strong and resilient. And we talked about true strength. It's not about dominance. And number four, must be accountable to others, especially to your wife. I love this. You know, you have to have work ethic, right? You have to um, run away from laziness and slothfulness as much as you can. And in today's world, it's so easy because, you know, especially if you live in like this first world kind of situation, if you live in the United States or Europe or wherever, that has more of these modern amenities, it's easy to become lazy mm-hmm. and connect, you know, distracted by the video games. And mm. you know, I'm so grateful that my parents never really allowed us to have video game consoles and those kind of things. Uh, so we never kind of got addicted to that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something about a man and this technology, even more so, I think, than women. I don't know if I would have to research, but. There has to be something neurologically as to how these kind of technologies affect men and women differently. Mm. But men have uh, such an addiction. Um, we think the females would have the addictions, right? Uh, because we, when we think of a woman on Instagram and she's always posting and then you have the Instagram husbands are the ones taking the pictures. And so we think they're obsessed, but men are really dominated. They might be silent on there, but they're, they're really obsessed with technology. And so you, you have to lay aside those things and create boundaries in your life that, that help you to stay on track, right? Write a vision for your life, every area of your life. 
Be strong and resilient. It's not just talking about physical strength and those protective abilities, but are you able to handle the seasons of life as they come and go? What happens if you lose your job? What happens if you encounter a sickness, a natural disaster, uh, something that happens, a death in the family? Are you able to be resilient? And and, and that uh, is also leading to the final tip there, which is learning to be accountable, because I don't think that you can build the strong work ethic and fulfill the vision that you've been given by God unless you are accountable to other people, a strong group of other men, your wife in particular, who's there to keep you accountable. I think it goes back to knowing your purpose. You know, if you don't know your purpose and you feel like that that's the next step in your life is to get married and have you know, settle down. That's what people say. But I think the reason why uh, men have such a strong tendency, like you said, to have some kind of an addiction towards like um, uh, technology, because I think that that's a way for them to sort of speak, decompress or get away from life's troubles and challenges. Mm. And so when you're not stable in yourself, like you don't know your purpose or where you're going in life, you're going to find other places to release your stress. And mm. unfortunately, the enemy wants to enclose you and almost to the point of being debilitated to where then your wife is frustrated because you're not giving the vision to your uh, to your family. And she, as a prophetic voice, is really frustrated because she doesn't know what to echo to the children, what where we're going, what we're doing right. next. Because... You're over here sitting and playing video games or you're over here watching movies or whatever. And those things are fine. I think if you know, if you have the ability to uh, have control and again, having that accountability, you know, if that's what you feel like you need to do. But I think some of those things can also be very destructive. Um, I personally feel like some of those video games that a lot of parents allow their children to play like these uh killing scenes and it's very destructive to the mind i don't i think it makes us very desensitized to uh the reality it's almost puts you like in the virtual reality and uh really uh, um doesn't put the emphasis and importance on human life right so i think it's very important to have that accountability because also whenever you start having children your kids are going to start seeing how you uh, react how you de-stress so it's very important to find healthier healthier ways to de-stress and again be accountable if you do have a problem with that yeah and i think those things also play into those uh you know false narratives about what roles of genders are, particularly for men, that you have to be overly aggressive, that you have to be um, a certain way, you know, Uh, even uh, almost idolizing abusiveness in a sense uh, and kind of giving you a pass because you're a man. Um, Mm. And and this isn't to bash all of the men out there. I'm one of you. And men, I think, are one of the, the most... Uh, unique creatures, Um, men and women are uniquely different and that's what makes them special. And I think that in our plight to um, empower women, which we should, it cannot be at the expense of men, right? And and also understanding that, you know, if there are these inherent differences about men and women or husbands and wives, 
then that means that true equality is really never possible. Mm. And, um, and, and that, that is an equality of opportunity. It's equality of outcome, right? And, um, you know, we, we can say this all day long, but, you know, a five foot person is disadvantaged to a six foot five person when it comes to the NBA. Um, and that inequality uh, doesn't mean that one or more of them is less or more human. It just speaks to their natural proclivities. And mm. the same thing can be said about men and women. There are there are a lot of things that should be equalized across the board, right? It, it, it should be um, inherent in our society that women are educated. Um, and in fact, more women are graduating from college now than men. Mm. Um, and, you know, it, it's not a bad thing. But I, I think we also have to address the educational um, missteps for men as well. And are, are do men learn differently? So these are questions that we should pose. Do men feel like that they're obligated to go into certain areas of the workforce? Um, do, do men feel empowered uh, emotionally? Do men feel like that they can be um, as transparent as a lot of women are? Uh, do men feel like that they can cry and not feel that that weakens their appeal uh, to, the, to the world? Mm. All of these things, you know, men, we have a heavy load to bear. And I, I said this before, in, in a marriage, women are the pro are prophets and in, in, in just paralleling apostles and prophets and men are apostles. What do apostles do? Apostles, they build. Apostles provide order and structure and leadership. Apostles provide vision and oversight. Uh, uh, apostles uh, provide theology and um, doctrine for the church. And so if you look at that and how a home is set up, you know, men are uh, really the structure that holds the family unit together. That's and, and that's not to throw a slight at any single parents, single moms in particular, right? I know you're holding it down and God is filling in those gaps because he is the greatest husband and father. That's right. But when it comes to the structure of a home and how it got, God is set up, you know, the husband is head of the household, mm. the father and this, uh, you know, discrediting sort of uh, patriarchy and thinking that it's a bad thing. Well, in our society, Maybe men have led more often. I think that you can justify that by looking at needs for survival and roles being distributed because of the harsh environments that we were overcoming. Now with technology, and there's so many more uh, protective uh, options that, that, that we have at our disposal. But you take a, a man and a woman and you throw them in the middle of the wilderness and you are going to draw straws based on biological strength, based on what you're able to do right then, right, right now. And so then those, th those roles are passed on through the generations. And then despite the fact that we have technology, that I'm sitting in a house right now that I didn't build with my hands, right? There's still these socially imposed ideals about it, what it means to be a man. But when it comes down to it, your assignment is biblical and it's biological. Um, you're a cultivator, yes, but because you carry the seed, uh, as a father, that speaks to your ability to uh, 
speak into your children and your wife and your family and be able to shape their future with um, with your prophetic uh, blessings. The um, A man, uh, not that women do not, but there's something about the blessing of a father mm. that is really unique to any other kind of blessing. It's a blessing that really blazes the trail that your child is going to walk on. The book of Numbers talks about uh, the fact that your child can take a vow. and But if the father, you know, says no, then it removes kind of the obligation that a child has taken on through a vow or a commitment. Mm. Um, and even words that they have spoken about themselves, a father can reverse it. That's the power of a father's blessing. And so we have a big responsibility and we're attacked. There's a lot of spiritual warfare that men undergo. And it also speaks to why I, you know, that it shows mental health. Men are the ones who are committing the suicide the most. Mm. Uh, And I don't think that's a coincidence. I would love to go and study and I should at, you know, which kind of mental disorders that men have versus women. Mm. And I believe it would speak to their roles as we have outlined here. But I think of, uh, you know, what it would take for an individual to want to commit suicide. And I look at it from a perspective of a man. And this is not to count out the women who have felt so depressed that they should commit suicide as well. But, you know, what must he have been feeling? Lack of purpose? Mm. No hope? The pressure of the world? Mm -hmm. That big responsibility. You know, even going back to um, how we said that a husband is like a gardener. Um, what I love about planting a seed, when you plant a seed, it's very crucial for the first stages of the plant when it first grows. So it needs about uh, 10 to 15 days to actually sprout. Mm. But even when it sprouts, you still have to be careful and you have to um, watch the plant uh, as far as water. You have to make sure that it's not in direct sunlight for a couple of, for until it can actually self-sustain itself and grow by Mm. itself. And so I think uh, the reason why I think the men are attacked is because they kind of start this. They have the seed. So they, they don't want it to start with the planting of the seed so that it doesn't even have a chance to grow. Mm. And so um, I think a man has a big responsibility because when that seed is planted into the ground, there's this care and this carefulness, I guess, that you have to take you have to see a lot of different angles. You have to take them out of the cold and, you know, make sure that they're not in direct sunlight. Protection. You have protection until they get to a place where they can thrive and grow by themselves and produce that harvest. Yeah. So that's what the enemy doesn't want. He doesn't want that seed to even grow so it doesn't have the ability to produce the harvest because god calls us to multiply uh you know i i'm I'm saying you know the seed is our children and so whenever we uh know our purpose and true calling in god uh, we're able to deposit that seed we're able to cultivate it and then we're able to bring up these children that fear the lord and that really know their purpose and are able to continue to multiply. You know, the Bible calls Satan the deceiver of the brethren. And the word deceive literally means to take away the seed. Mm. And, uh, you know, that right there. If the man is the seed bearer, 
then he's going to be the first to get that sort of spiritual attack. And it's because if, if he, if the enemy can block the seed, then, you know, he stops life from ever beginning to begin with, Mm. you know, because it takes the seed hitting the womb or the soil in order for that uh, conception to occur. And so I, I, I say to you men, you know, we have a hard responsibility. It's a heavy load, but you have everything that you need to do it, to succeed. The pandemic of our day is not COVID-19. Mm. It's not any of these sicknesses that come from foreign places or even originate here, but it's fatherlessness. Mm. I think that um, not just an absence of the father from the home physically, but an absence of the father spiritually or mm. emotionally. It's good. And if you did not have a father, um, I, I grieve that you did not uh, experience that, um, that, that in your life. But you can be a cycle breaker. And, and you say, well, where do I look? You know, of course, let's look to God who is a good father, a loving father, a provider. God is one who um, just doesn't fail us. He's a man of his word. And these are the characteristics that you should take on as a husband, right? To lead your wife, right? This is your assignment as a husband, to lead your wife and your children. If, if it says in Corinthians that we're the head of the household, that means you go first. Mm. That's what it simply means. It doesn't mean you're the you're better than. It just means you go first. Lead by example. Use your strength to guide, not harm. Lead through service. Jesus was a servant leader, washing the feet of his disciples. And we have to be a servant of, of all. Most of the time, men think that they're supposed to have a wife who serves them hand and foot and they're just sitting on their thrones, you know, Mm. but men actually should be the ones going first, serving first, leading first, use your strength to blaze new trails. Don't use your strength to, uh, to put down uh, your wife and your children. And I'm going to take it a step further. Men, what seed are you planting into your wife? And I'm not saying a physical seed to produce children. A lot of times if you give a woman a specific seed, she is going to multiply it. So if your wife is nagging, if your wife is uh, is dissatisfied with certain things because you don't have a vision or maybe the way you project strength is not the way you may have grown up seeing it correctly. You may not have, you know, had a father figure, um, so you don't know how to do it. And this is uh, what I love about in Ephesians um, chapter five. Uh, this is about the husband's he he says um, how to love your wives. But uh, in verse 26, it says that he may uh, sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the uh, water by the word. And what I love about that is that it starts with you. You really have to wash yourself with that water, with that word, because if you grew up with trauma, we all were born into sin. We have different inclinations to different things. We carry generational curses. But like you said, we have the ability to break those curses off of our lives. I mean, your your dad experienced a lot of verbal abuse and physical abuse, and he could have been bitter. 
but he went the opposite way and he's studying the word of God and God has really started changing his heart and really um, taking away the bitterness that he has experienced in the trauma so that yes. he can project love instead. And the only way that you will experience the true healing for yourself is through this word. And if you haven't experienced it for yourself, then you're not going to be able to cultivate your wife correctly. Mm. And therefore, it's going to be a trickle effect where your wife is not going to uh, is going to have frustration and you guys are going to have a lot of different challenges and disputes because you both are not going to be operating in your role, um, uh, in your biblical roles like you should. And so and then, uh, of course, once you have children, that even adds more to those challenges. Like we've talked in the past uh, about um, the eight misconceptions of, of marriage and the disputes that you will have. This is another layer to it. There's just so much that goes into it. But, yeah, husbands, you really have a big responsibility. And um, I just pray that, you know, God really helps you to step into your own. So if you're single right now, this is the time to study the word of God to see, you know, yes. what. What God tells you to uh, to to um, uh, allow God to really shape your character and mold your character, yes. because once you get married, it's a big responsibility. It's not just some kind of a trophy you put on the shelf. This is going to be a partnership. And so you have to learn to uh, be able to have that relationship with God so that whenever you do have a wife, you're going to be able to cultivate her in the right manner as well. Right. You know, I'm a second generation cycle breaker. And, you know, you're not going to necessarily be able to break every cycle that you have in your family, but you're going to be able to break some of them. You know, my father's father was an alcoholic, but he broke that cycle, but he was in an abusive home with a stepfather who physically and mentally verbally abused him. And so I can't say that, that I was void of that experience as well. Uh, growing up, you know, my dad I don't think had the the framework to understand what it meant to be a father, right? He did the best that he could. And it was when I was about 16, 17, 18, that he was really having this supernatural transformation with God. And when he wanted to come back into my life in a closer way, you know, we were never um, estranged or anything like that. But I, I grew up and I'd never felt that close to my father. But when he came uh, closer at 17 and 18, uh, I felt like, well, I'm grown now. And and I, I rejected it at first. Mm. And it took years to build that trust. And now we have a great relationship. He's one of the men that I admire the most. He's, he's, he's um, got such strong character and values. And I, I love him and I thank, thank him for being a cycle breaker. But guess what? Now, I don't. my kids don't have to wait for that gap, right? Between the ages of zero to 17 or 18 from where my dad started kind of getting it right. My children are getting it on day one. And so that's how these cycles are broken, one generation at a time. And then we trans, transfer blessings. Uh, there's such a power, again, in the blessing of a father. And and that means that you have to be a visionary, something that you're passing on. You want not only to give them an inheritance, which is like a financial or a physical 
uh, something that you're giving to your family, but to leave a legacy. A legacy speaks to your core values mm -hmm. and your beliefs. And those are the things that you are intangible that you pass on, but really shape the every aspect of your life. What do you value, men? And how are you going to pass those values on to your children? That should be a part of your vision. Your vision shouldn't be just about making money and storing wealth. Sure, we want to prosper financially, but your vision should encompass like the traditions that you want to pass on. It should encompass um, healthy living, education, um, those things that you that you want to enact within the culture of your household. Hmm. And you know what? We need to get your dad to come on one of the episodes and really have a discussion like a father to son. Yeah. And how he was able to overcome these things, because I, I me, uh, I you and I kind of share similar things where um, I feel like my dad didn't get a lot of things. So he wasn't able to, you know, give us a lot of these things. Um, I, I think of a phrase that a lot of people say, you can't give what you don't have. And so I think later on in life, once I grew older and started having my own children, you know, I didn't have such a good relationship with my dad, even though he was present. Um, I realized that the reason why my dad wasn't able to give me what I needed was because he was never given that. So he was just doing the best he could. And, both, and that and that is not speaking to potential yeah. because both of our dads had it in them. Right. But that's it the was, thing. But no, they didn't have a cultivator mm -hmm. to bring it out of them. But they did. Eventually what happened is, you know, over time, because they, they were submitted to God, God started molding and shaping their God character. was that cultivator. And it's not like, you know, that all these things didn't work for our purpose. You know, I've seen, I see a lot of things that I went through that I can help other people now. And I have a, a better understanding and appreciation for my dad, but you know, really submitting yourself to God so that God can shape and mold your characters and heal those traumatic experiences so that you can give the best to your children. Yeah, there's so much we could say here, and I, I know we're going to do plenty more podcasts about this topic because I, I think when, when I talk to other young men and just men in general, a, a lot of these voids are the same. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's generationally. It's not just what's happening in my house. It's what's happening in all of our houses simultaneously, and it's it, it pushed on by culture as a whole. And, and so um, we're, we're going to be attacking these things. This is what Needed Conversations is about, to address these things head on so we can break the cycle, break the curse, and start good cycles and blessings that we pass on to our children. And I want to end on this, you know, um, women are inherently intercessors. They're natural born gap fillers. But men have a responsibility in prayer, too. Men, uh, again, with the power of a blessing, but also just in uh, setting their family on the right course and building a culture in your house where you learn about God, mm -hmm. you learn the scriptures and you teach your family to pray. You teach your children to pray. I pray in the Holy Spirit over my kids pretty much every night. Do your kids hear you pray and not just in, in tongues or the Holy Spirit, but do they hear you pray in English? Um, one of the first things I recognized about the Ukrainian culture is a lot of households that I went in, the fathers at the end of every night would just stand in the center of the house and scream prayers almost at the top of their lungs. 
and I respect that a lot. And I wanted that to be kind of a, a part of the culture of my home. So uh, being accountable means you're also a man of prayer because that means you're accountable to God mm. first and foremost. That, good. that you keep yourself submitted to God. This is so, uh, so rich. I, I've just loved these last two episodes. And, and this is really leading us into uh, coming up on the 22nd and the 23rd. You do not want to miss it. Our summer love webinar for singles, those who are dating, those who are engaged, we are going to give you some the some of the greatest principles that God has revealed to us through the scripture, through our experience. And you want to register for this two nights, every night at 8 p.m. Go to RyanColeEmpowerment.com. The link is in the description on the podcast, wherever you're listening. So click that link. Go sign up and get your friends to sign up as well, because we are going to give you tools to find lasting love. That's right. You know, a lot of people spend money on uh, their wedding day, but they don't really invest into themselves. So this is the best thing you can do for yourself is really invest into your future so you can start right. And all we're asking for is a couple nights. Yes. We're 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 um, bold about this, right? because of how we believe that the, the institution of marriage affects everything. It does. It affects your pocketbook. It affects your health. It affects everything. What if I told you you could make more? What if I told you you could live longer? What, you know, all of these things, um, it's just fascinating, but we're going to go into more of that um, in our webinar. Uh, so make sure you subscribe. If you haven't already to this podcast, let us know how these uh, episodes are affecting you. Yes. Leave us a review. Be sure to connect with us on social media. Again, go to RyanColeEmpowerment.com. Sign up for the two-night free webinar, uh, July 22nd and 23rd, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But until next time, this has been Needed Conversations with Ryan and Victoria Cole. See you later.